Only posers die, you fucking idiot! Mikey, your boy Shane Spider said that you guys have a podcast together called I Don't Want to Hear It. Well, you're gonna hear it right now, motherfucker. Fuck your podcast. I don't want to hear it at all. Go fuck yourself now! So how did you like being called the N-word by Danny Diablo? <laughs> Dude, I, I'm not being hyperbolic here at all. It was one of the coolest things anyone has ever done for me. Dude. When it, when Chris told me about it that night, I made a decision. I was like, I have to do this. And then when I got the video, I watched it several times because I could not believe that that we got that. I know it was just he's just he's just on another level. Different. He's a different type of person. You know, it's somebody that, as much as I love his music, I I, I couldn't be around a guy like that. I, you don't know what they're gonna do. <laughs> no, just... no. So for for our listeners, what what we did was Danny Diablo is on cameo. And so Which I didn't even know was a thing until you told me when we were out to dinner last week with Chris. I had yeah, no idea so, what that was. So Cameo, if you're not familiar, is you can pay a celebrity to send you a specialized message. Um, like we had a friend of ours get a birthday message from um, Colonel Riker from Star Trek. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's on there. And like it's a bunch of celebrities that aren't doing anything right now but can get paid to, to like say yeah. special messages to like – specific fandoms yeah fucking and then joaquin he, isn't gonna isn't gonna say hi to you <laughs> right 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 he's too busy um being weird somewhere <laughs> um so anyway danny diablo's on there and i because <laughs> you can select when you go to order it like and ask for it you can ask them to say something nice you can ask them to roast the person you can ask them to do a few different things and then you can give them like specifics like <laughs> hey and so like i wrote to him and i was like i want you to roast him here's what we do here's what you need to know about him and he ad-libbed the entire thing so he talked <laughs> yeah. shit about our podcast in, in the video which is great yeah well um i don't know if we'll use it all the time but uh probably for this episode and we did it for last episode where i took just a little snip of it where he's really going hard on the podcast uh-huh <laughs> and i put that in the intro so yeah yeah, hopefully uh, he doesn't track us down and break our knees for using his likeness without permission. Well, I think that's the thing. I think you pay for it, and then we get to own it. Like, we get to own the video. So, Shane, not to belabor this too much, uh, the gift that Shane gave me, but it was, like, the greatest gift ever. Um, <laughs> he, he texts me at, I don't know, 7.30 in the morning. I'm barely awake. I haven't had coffee yet. I'm getting ready for work. And I see that he's texting me, and I didn't read it. I saw like the tail end of it. Don't say I've never done anything for you. And then I see there's an yeah. email. I got to get to school. I teach three classes. And then my my break, my, the kids leave. And I'm like, oh, shit. I like open my phone. <laughs> and Danny Diablo's like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is was the greatest moment. And I was by myself in my class. And I just went, oh. Dude, some terrible dude. noise came out of me that was meant for joy. It was it was great. It was it was so good. Like I was so happy to get it and I sent it to Jesse and he's like, "Oh, dude. Like <laughs> that's great." Like so I sent it to I sent it to him cuz I wanted him to see it and uh and just he was it was just it couldn't it couldn't have been better. Like it couldn't oh, yeah. have worked out like 
Like there's he lost not a the better plot life. halfway through. He stopped roasting at one point and then tried to be friendly and then he went back to roast. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he had a moment where you're like, oh, like this is where we trauma bond. And then he and then he just like totally fucked us again. Like, well, look at me. What, what, what I'm, I'm some kind of a fucking role model. What the fuck is wrong with you? And then he called me the N word. <laughs> yep. And he called you the N word and then he was nice. And then he said, fuck you. Um, and gave us the middle fingers at the end of the video. Oh, dude, it was so great. Uh, yeah. I, I've saved the video. I have actually backed up the video. I have the, audi- <laughs> I have the audio of the video. I don't ever want to lose it. Yeah, that was that was really great. I mean, you know, every now and again, it's really nice when celebrities do that. I mean, I know he's not like a celebrity celebrity. He's a celebrity to me. That's all that matters. Like, and it brought joy. So that's that was like in, in this world of darkness, like who'd have thought Danny Diablo would have made somebody smile? You think the only way he'd make them smile is if he took a knife and cut their mouth into a smile. <laughs> but, you know, but he chose to go the cameo route instead, which I appreciate. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's safer for everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome to I Don't Want to Hear It. I'm Mikey. And I'm Shane. And we're back with the third and final, finally, the final installment of our Rancid Deep Dive. It's our first three-part deep dive. It's a, yeah. it's a momentous occasion. And well, this is also what? Episode is this episode ninety? No, this, this is, is episode eighty nine. Because it ends in eighty nine. Oh wait, you've been saying it the whole time and I didn't realize it. Dude, that was the <laughs> joke. That was the whole thing. The I thought Rancid- you were just saying the op ivy lyric over and over. But no. we did start on episode 87, and we are now ending on episode 89. I shouldn't have said that because it <laughs> sounded like we planned it and it would have been so cool. But we didn't. But it's that's that's even better. That's the best that's part. It's like that's synchronicity. It. We didn't we legitimately didn't plan it. We started in eighty seven, we're ending in eighty nine. I've been saying that the entire time. I feel like I've belabored that point so much that I was not gonna say it on this episode because I've been just being like I'm beating a dead horse. So I'm glad that you brought it up. Well you gotta go out tall ample and time. <laughs> <laughs> that's that was the whole thing. We were just talking before we started the podcast, uh, before we actually hit record, that we've just had so much fun talking about Rancid for the past two weeks. And, you know, I- I've been thinking about why we do what we do and not trying to get d- get too deep into it because obviously we have fun. We have a conversation. Some people find it entertaining. That's a podcast. You know, it's com- sometimes it's informative, sometimes it's funny, and sometimes both. But I think it just gives us a really good excuse to revisit stuff that maybe we haven't had time for. It, it's something, you know, cause we, with, with our schedules and shit like that, I mean, with anybody's schedule, you know, anyone could do this, but it gives you a chance, an excuse to go back and dig something out or pay special attention to something that maybe you only listen to in a cursory way. Cause you've listened to it so many times. It's right. uh, it's been really fun. And anytime we do a deep dive like this, or even anytime we do any kind of an episode, it just gives us a chance to go back and dig out those nuggets and just kind of talk about how we got to where we're at. And I just, I don't know. I've had so much fun talking about Rancid. It's been so great. Yeah, but I think I think also, too, like, I mean, <clears throat> it is always fun to go back and listen to those records and listen to those songs and be like, you know, like today um, somebody brought up that, you know, it's the first day of fall um, and like uh, – in hardcore, this is the fall time back where deal. well, fall back deal, go uh, get <laughs> up again, uh, and uh, so, but this is the time instead of like hardcore kids like going and getting pumpkin spice, they put on Fall Children by AFI. Dude, um, I listened to to the All Hallows EP today. Hey, that's funny. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. 
it's it's like an old person tradition like oh it's time to get out the orange and and maroon tablecloths and put on something that sounds nice and cozy we put on afi and the misfits well not not only that but like i was just burning a uh, a bourbon pumpkin candle in my office while listening to afi's uh all hallows ep and i was just like man this is this is the life i wanted to live i had no idea i wanted to live this life but here i am Dude, I uh, it was funny because I called Matt moment on Sunday. I was actually out doing a quick errand, and I wanted to talk to him about something because uh, we've been gaming online sporadically. And I called him, and mid-conversation, I was actually in the Starbucks drive-thru, and I was about to order just a latte, and then I saw pumpkin spice was out. I forgot, and I, I had to stop talking for a minute to change my order to the pumpkin spice and the pumpkin loaf because it was delicious and i don't care i don't care if i grow ugg boots out of my feet it's just it's it's a it's a delicious drink i don't care how trendy it is i've been okay. i've been growing my hair into an infinity scarf if you haven't noticed <laughs> can i talk to the man at jar level 12 white girl dude dude i i i love it i don't care and and you know what else i love i love rancid Let's get into this because this episode is fucking long. There's 11 pages of notes. <laughs> so real quick to recap, obviously listen to part one, part two, if you give a shit or maybe jump in like an idiot. I don't care. In part one, we talked about Rance's precursor band, Op Ivy, ska punk group from East Bay, California in the late 80s. Then we went into the main event itself with Rancid. We talked about all their LPs from 93 all the way up until 2003. And that was, how many LPs was that? One, two, uh, it was six. That was six, yep. We did the first self-title. We did Let's Go. We did it. Out Come the Wolves, the big hit record. We did the Eclectic Life Won't Wait. We did the hardcore record, Rancid 2000. And we did Indestructible, the band's return to form, and probably their last great record. Yeah, yeah. We talked about how original drummer Brett Reed left the trio, the core of Tim Armstrong, Lars Fredrickson, and Matt Freeman in 2006 after touring on Indestructible. And the band was looking for a new drummer. So this is one of my favorite weird detours of Rancid is that Rancid found a a permanent replacement drummer, not a studio musician, not a touring drummer. They found a permanent replacement in none other than Brandon Steinekert. Steinekert? Steinekert. I think it's Steinekert. Steinekert. Steinekert, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The drummer of The Used. (laughs) So... It was like when we heard Heath Ledger was going to play the Joker. We're like, what? Right. It was like, uh, you know what's funny is I've seen the used, and they were great live. Are they? Yeah. So here's what I'm going to say about this. Like, because we're going to, because I'm going to shit on the used for a little bit. But (laughs) the used, the self titled record, I actually really enjoyed. I listened to it a lot on my um, trip. I was 17 years old when it came out. Um, and listen to it on my trip to Pittsburgh with my family. Um, like literally wore out every battery in my CD player to be able to listen to it because I didn't, I couldn't afford an iPod. The Used were uh, kind of like an alternative screamo band that, for some reason, got massively popular. Like I said, I really liked the 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 record, the self titled record that came out, um, but hated everything that the band stood for. I never got them. Um, I've, I've detailed my lowest musical point in the early 2000s, purchasing a From Autumn to Ashes CD or something of that nature. And I just never got why people dug them. I guess it wasn't the worst thing I ever heard, but Burt McCracken, their lead singer, just looked like the fucking Loch Ness Monster. It was upsetting. And yeah. uh, he was he got famous for dating Kelly Osbourne, and he was on the Osbournes a couple of times. And he just always looked uh, a little wet. Didn't like him. 
Strange. Yeah, like when I saw when I saw them play, he screamed so much that he threw up on stage. But he looks like a frail. <laughs> he he looked like a like a frail Charlie Manson. He's he's like if Daryl Palumbo was uh, not at all good looking. <laughs> right, right. That's pretty much how he screams. So, anyway, so Steinecker was a founding member of Used, and he played drums for the band until he joined Rancid in 2006 during the writing of the band's next LP. Now, um. I have seen Rancid with Reed and with Steinecker. I've seen I've seen both versions. Mm. And honestly, there's not a difference because they are pretty great musicians as it is. Um, but Steinecker's actually really – it's really cool to see him in the band because he's actually a really talented drummer, a really talented musician. And he is yeah, on good. time. Like, I mean, like you don't see him miss a beat. You don't see him mess up. You don't see him do – it's really great to see. Um, but that phone call, can you imagine that phone call to play drums <laughs> for Rancid? So imagine this. Tim calls. He goes, oh, you play drums for Vail. <laughs> and then Lars is in the back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as we were as we were preparing for this, I'm still not sure where Lars Fredrickson is from, but we'll talk about that later. I know where he's from. Oh, he says it so much. Yeah. He says it. He says it so much. <laughs> so, in a recently published Metal Vault interview from 2009, not recently published, that's 11 years ago. No, it uh, was recently published because it was unpublished for many years. Okay, recently republished. Um, <laughs> Steinecker said of the opportunity, I've, I've grown up listening to all their records and so much of my roots is following these guys, meeting them, touring with them, uh, being in my own bands that were pl- trying to sound like Rancid. I was a singer in a band called Apocalypse Radio and we played Rancid songs, so it's huge for me to join the band and be on this record. It's really surreal and all very last minute from when they first called me to tell me Brett had left the band to our first show, it was five days. That's, that's fucking crazy. I know. Imagine so, the pressure, dude. Dude. I that that stresses me out just thinking about it. So I dove in head first and scribbled the rancid logo on my kick drum head. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, I was such a geek fanboy running around with my camera taking pictures of the guitars like I was the only time I was going to play with them. Uh, I had a really good chemistry the first time we played together. So when it comes to writing the record, or writing, recording, and playing music together, there's a really strong sense of unity and equality between us. That's and that's actually really great. That doesn't happen. No, it's it's really cool. These like older, really seasoned punk rock vets who've been doing it since the '80s. They gave this uh, to them a kid. They gave him a chance, and uh, it's really cool of them. I mean, obviously, picking someone so left field, they must have been impressed with his ability. Right. So, I mean, they had to had spend the enough ability. time. He had the ability, like obviously, Barnum. right. Right, and I mean to be fair, Rancid is not known for their like exquisite drumming. Like they're not like Rush and Neil Peart, but like the drummer was a good, like he was a good drummer. Brett Reed was a good drummer. So having Brendan Steik, Steik, Steinkart, Ste- Steinkart, uh, Steinmart, um, <laughs> joined, then that was then that was great. Even with his uh, the bridge of his nose pierced. But imagine when it's like um, we're going to record fifty songs this month, and also our set consists of thirty-five songs. The, yeah. the stamina you got to have, right? Because he plays nonstop. I mean, I that's I think of I always think of uh, Ryan from Darkest Hour playing Darkest Hour songs for forty minutes. You're like, I don't. You're you've run a marathon in that forty minutes. So on fitting in with Rancid, uh, Stein Steinekert says Tim said it. Tim said it. I'm sorry. So Tim said it in a Rocknet interview. Rock Rock dot Oh, God, I'm stumbling all over this. This place is fucked. 
<clears throat> so he says, uh, he was always our homie and he fit in well with Rancid Punk Ethos. He was always the one rocking the punk rock shirts. Uh, nothing against the used, but we felt like he was more into the same things as we were. So that's great <laughs> that he kind of had like this weird, like underlying thing um, <laughs> to say about them. A little bit of shade. Yeah, just just enough Tim Shade. Uh, but if you're a fan of the ba- of a band and you get to join that band one day, that's one of the best things that could ever happen to you. I cannot imagine what that must feel like. And just kudos to you for even like I, w- I don't think I would have the balls to do that. Like I feel like if any band that I loved was like, will you play? I'd be like, I don't know. I think so, but this makes me very nervous. Well, if Goldfinger asked me to join, I would leave my entire life. <laughs> 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 yes, if Real Big Fish asked me to join, I'd say uh, absolutely, Mister Barrett. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. Like, I feel like if I feel like if Bad Religion asked me to join, I feel like I would be very worried though, because I feel like Jay Bentley is like a staple in that band. Yeah, whatever. He's old. Yeah, you can yeah. take his place. Yeah, that's fine. Bad Religion, Bad Religion lives forever. <laughs> So now that we've got the uh, the band back together, we'll say, before jumping into Rancid's latest three LPs, which we're not going to dive into as much detail as the other ones, um, we would be remiss to move on if we did not mention the B-Sides collection that came out called B and C-Sides, released on Rancid Records, which I guess is some sort of Hellcat subsidiary label. Um, you know, Tim already had Hellcat, but apparently he has Rancid Records too, or maybe it's somebody else in the band. I don't know. That's my but favorite this- thing. Like, could you imagine like, okay, so Hellcat's part of Epitaph, but Rancid Records is part of Hellcat. So it's like this weird, like, it's like little Russian dolls records. inside yeah. of each other with mohawks. Ah, it's like, it's really, yeah, it's punk matrushkas. <laughs> And um, this came out between Indestructible in 2004 and the next record, Let the Dominoes Fall, in 2009. So I think it's a fantastic collection of B-sides and comp tracks. Some of them I'd heard before, some of them I hadn't. They weren't all widely available. Some of the standouts are The Brothels, a great Rancid song with a lot of Lars vocals. Just a Feeling, great one. Sick Sick World, the B-side from Rancid 2000. Blastem, Ben Zanato, and I Want to Riot, which was one of the first Rancid songs I ever heard back in the day on Punkarama 1. I believe I heard Punkarama 1 first, so I think it was, I think it was Time Bomb, and I Want to Riot, and then I heard an Out Come the Wolves. But as we've said, the band's known for recording 30 extra songs for every fucking record <laughs> they, they, they never get used, so there's still a ton of Rancid B-sides out there that were omitted from the B and C-sides collection. So they do a great cover of If the Kids Are United by Sham69, The Harder They Come, a Jimmy Cliff cover that I've actually never heard them do and I really would like to track down. And then they also have the famous uh, Brad Logan, which was in the South Park Chef Aid episode, right? <laughs> which we talked about in the Leftover Crack episode, but that's a great fucking song. I don't know why it's not on there, probably some licensing thing, but... B and C sides. Uh, I know we we've really talked so much about those old other LPs, but B and C sides is a worthy addition to your rancid library. All great songs, right? So, and that came out before this next record, which is Let the Dominoes Fall. Now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I remember being stoked because I remember liking Indestructible and hearing this record was coming out and just being like, "Great! I love when bands that I like continue to put out records." Um, I didn't do that with No Effects. I remember when the War on Errorism came out, which is a good one. I just was kind of like. 
Like I think yeah, I stopped all, at the decline. All NoFX records are good. They're they're all good, man. I don't I don't think there's a clunker in any of them. But I feel like that's I feel like that's the case with like there are a few bands out there that I know that, but I'm just kind of like nah at some point in time. Like there are only a few bands I can continue into their discography at some point in time. Like, and mm. I've learned that about myself, but I don't know what that's about. So anyway. Let the Dominoes Fall was Rancid's seventh studio album. It wouldn't come out until June of 2009. Now, um, it was written at Steinigart, Steinigart, uh Studio in Utah and recorded in 2008 um, at Skywalker Sound, which is just awesome to think about. Like, this the sound is it the sound studio that they that that's, they did Star Wars stuff at? It's it the sound be, right? studio that they did Star Wars, Indiana Jones, E.T., Terminator 2. Con Air, the Pirates movies, <laughs> Jurassic Park, all the Marvel movies. Um, I'm assuming Tim wanted to get some Ewok tribal sounds, which is why they went there. That's that's the best thing. So and so to like cap that off, like, could you imagine being Brett Gurowitz, who produced the record, being asked to come to Skywalker Studios and be like, hey, we did Jurassic Park here and probably did Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World, which was directed by Steven Spielberg, by the way, which kind of was weird to think about. It was okay. It was fine enough. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I enjoy the Jurassic Park movies. Even the even the scene in the third one where the raptor turns and goes, Alan. <laughs> that was a weird scene, but it was Clever great. Girl. Clever girl. So, Let the Dominoes Fall was released jointly by Epitaph and Hellcat, and it marked a bit of a comeback for the band, having not released a proper Rancid record in about five years. And the deluxe version came with many of the album songs done acoustic. So, there was kind of a cool, unique change. Like, they had done a bunch of B-sides, but they are, this time it had some acoustic songs to go with it, which was cool. So, right. Yeah. So the first Rancid record after the hiatus and their first new drummer. So, uh, how was it? It's fine enough. It's a good punk record. It's not an excellent record. Uh, we don't really know if it's an excellent record because it's just kind of we feel like it's a slip from or at least I feel like it's a slip from the from Indestructible. And, and I think that most people can probably make that argument i guess um it doesn't have quite that high caliber of the other bands or the band's other records uh or even the earlier ones and that might be nostalgia that might be just kind of contacting those records when we were younger i mean i think of when when indestructible came out in the time between indestructible and when let the dominoes fall came out um i in i had a four-year-old so you know like to me like i'm a different person by then you know I definitely think nostalgia has something to do with it, but I also think part of it is the band was just fucking firing on all cylinders back then, and you can't expect the same thing from the band over and over again. Right, and also, I mean, that's to be fair, that's part of our bias, right? Like, the records we grew up with will always be the ones that we gravitate towards. They're going to be our favorites. They're going to be the ones that we hand to people and say, you know, here are these records. And just going back to no effects real quick... There's no way that we would go and pick up Coaster and hand that to somebody and be like, this is your intro to No Effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we would hand over, like, Punk and Drublick, or we would hand over, like, So Long and Things for All the Shoes. Like, to me, those would be the two records that I would probably hand over. Or The Decline and be like, they wrote an 18-minute song. I don't know how this person plays drums this long. <laughs> yeah. We recognize that bias, but, um, you know, it's not that maybe those records are lesser than it's just kind of our experience with it. So that's an important point, but let the dominoes fall does contain some great songs like new Orleans, last one to die civil civilian ways and up to no good. Um, are there any bad tracks on it? Don't really think so. Um, there's nothing mind blowing or kind of like to hook into you like time bomb, hyena radio axiom blood clot. There's, there are no like, um, I guess like singles or standouts the way that you have on these other ones. And, and to be fair, the records before 
always seemed like every hit, every song was a hit. Every song was a banger. So yeah. you don't really get that with this one. Uh, and they kind of sound a bit tired. You know, Tim's voice has changed a little bit uh, where he's just kind of talking instead of just yelling about the Marble Mouth. And then, uh, and you know, which we love that Marble Mouth, Tim, but it's just kind of weird when it's like he's 40 ish 50 yeah. ish and I he's doing he, this smart mouth thing yeah he was probably in his mid to late 40s by that point yeah i mean mid he looks 40s, great at least yeah he looks he like does. he looks he looks fine for he's for pretty, being a 50 year old punk yeah he's he's got some mass on him now i don't know if it's fat or if it's muscle but he's bigger yeah well it's hard it's hard to say too because he's also got like a giant beard like he looks like he hasn't shaved in like 15 years <laughs> he looks like so. rasputin with a head tattoo <laughs> it's awesome i love it so the lyrics weren't as deep as what we'd gotten used to, uh, and that's really all it is. I mean, the band is a little older, a little bit more tired. You can't expect it an outcome the Wolves every year or two, but we're not going to belabor that point. Like, and we're going to try not to do that for the other records too. We're going to really just kind of like just discuss it and go forward. But um, you know, even an okay rancid record is still a good punk record, though, and I think that's important to recognize here. Just like you said about No Effects, like every No Effects record is good. Every rancid record is good. So there yeah. are just some that we know are better than others. Now, a little addendum to Let the Dominoes Fall. Now, I have been very vocal about the fact that I think the servers from Punk News should be uh, melted with acid and the people who run that website should be dragged into the streets and beaten with their own fucking Chuck Taylors. Now, I'm not a big fan of them. I think they're a site filled with sanctimonious snobbery and human detritus and they panned Let the Dominoes Fall. I say they, it was a user-submitted review, but as someone who has submitted reviews to Punk News, they have to pass uh, you know, some sort of a, a metric, you know, like, okay, we can print this one. Right. So some user named Sailor Nate, all one word and lowercase, so get a real fucking name already, wrote a very shitty, and, and not a well-written review of, of Let the Dominoes Fall the day it came out, and it's rife with stupidity. Now, as someone who teaches... Uh, grammar from time to time he used the word garnishing instead of garnering <laughs> he calls the record disquieting oh pardon me and your fucking scarf he overuses the phrase toe tapping two sentences adjacent toe tapping twice get some more descriptors in your vocabulary and then he ends the <laughs> review with this groan it is a sad thing to see a once promising musical group Go, now stagnate in seemingly continual prosaicness. <laughs> what? Okay, seemingly is one of my least favorite words, and I'm going to tell you most music reviewers are cunts. <laughs> and that's the same for film or food. Most people, they use this high-handed vocabulary incorrectly to make themselves feel better about being nobodies. Now, when we talk shit on this program, nine times out of ten, we're punching up. Okay, it's some, well, you know, we do cool to hate. We make fun of giant bands who are rich and never have to work again a day in their fucking life. And right. we're sitting here uh, squeezing a podcast in <laughs> after our shitty days at work. We're punching up, okay? But most critics and reviewers don't do that they think there's somehow some sort of an authority on things and it's because they've never actually had to do anything but that's just i digress if i hear another person describe food as bright i'm gonna fucking shoot myself <laughs> i'm just saying you know criticism if you're not punching up feel free to talk shit about everyone who has more than you <laughs> but you know if you're not punching up criticism should mostly be constructive not destructive 
And right. That's actually, some, that's actually something I teach my students. Constructive, not destructive. But I, once again, <laughs> I digress. Yeah, no, I totally get it. So um, to go back to the point that we're trying to make here about Rancid is that Rancid's great. Fuck the critics. But in 2012, Pirates Press Records released a massive box set containing 46 7-inch records, which housed all of Rancid's official full lengths and their debut Lookout EP. And that means you would have to switch the record 46 times, and you'd be flipping the record 92 times just to listen to their entire discography. So I guess that's fine, but that seems like a lot of work. I imagine that it's so ridiculous. I imagine it's like just to look cool, kind of like what I thought looking like getting braces would do for me when I was a kid. I used to want to get braces when because I thought it would make me look cool. (laughs) You tiny Bigfoot as a child, like, give me braces. I think we Could, look human. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I here's the thing. There was there was just a level like I get this a lot and I and I have in my in my adulthood have learned this thing about me is like I have no common sense. Like I have <laughs> like I've always been very book smart and just not understood like social niceties or like anything normal in the real world. Like I don't have that scope it's taken me a long time to get that scope until then i was like yeah braces are cool braces look cool give me braces how much do they cost give them to me anyway i want metal on my teeth even though i had like perfect fucking teeth perfect teeth i never needed braces well just uh just so you guys know the pirates press rancid set um it's 200 dollars which i guess well, that is more than just buying the records on their own, but it's one of those things you put it on the shelf. It looks cool. And everyone goes, Ooh, ah, and then you never touch it. Right. You don't play it. Like you don't, yeah, fuck you that. don't no play. That. Yeah. Nobody's playing. Nobody's flipping the records 96 times. Like I want to hear four songs in the middle of this record. And that's what I'll do. I feel like maybe, maybe the bouncing souls were kind of getting like, they were ahead of the game on that. They're like, yeah, uh, that's true. Well, they put that record on and play that song again because they didn't want to flip the record. <laughs> so the next record they put out was honor is all we know um and and since they returned from their hiatus the band had been touring quite a lot touring on uh dominoes with rise against and billy talent uh which ew um uh, <laughs> playing festivals all over the world and doing some one-off shows with the legendary oi band cox bar uh, and they appeared on conan they even opened a leg of a blink 182 tour which when we talk about later will make a little bit yeah, more makes, sense makes sense um, but the follow-up to Domino's was recorded over three years and finally released in 2014 on Epitaph and Hellcat once again. So they had that kind of joint release. Now, uh, it was slated to be released in 2012 to go with the band's 20th anniversary tour. Uh, but with all the side projects, which we are definitely going to get into, the album ended up getting delayed a couple years. Which is a bummer to think about. Like, that it didn't get it out on the 20th anniversary. But that's okay. Now... Much like Domino's, the reaction was pretty decent. It was a new Rancid record, um, a, a good addition to the discography. Um, some reviewers, like the AV Club, actually praised the album for being better than Domino's, and and I suppose that it's maybe personal preference. Um, again, Honor is All We Know is definitely heavy on meat and potatoes punk tunes compared to some of their other stuff. Um, but again, it's not a, it's a it's another Rancid record, so it's not terrible, right? So it's a good punk yeah, record. I think it's a little reminiscent of the early records. Whereas I think Domino's, it was almost like they were trying to recapture and outcome the wolves. And that's and hard. Yeah. You can't that's I lightning think, in a bottle. I think honor is all we know. It was kind of like them saying like, Oh, remember, uh, remember let's go. 
Right. I feel like they do that. I feel like they are a nostalgic band. Like they're <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. very much so like every record has its own feel, which is kind of cool. But yeah. and I think that's what maybe we liked about like when you listen to an outcome the wolves and the self-titled uh Rancid 2000 and you listen to all those like they all have their own feel um and to kind yeah, of very try to capture records. that it's like it doesn't really make any sense so um now the title track is one of the best new Rancid songs but the record features a few other gems like back where i belong a power inside and raise your fist um and what's interesting though is this is maybe one of the first Rancid records where there's songs that we might skip, like Evil's My Friend and Gravedigger, because they're just maybe not hitting the mark. Um, hey, you know what the lyrics to Evil's My Friend is? What is it? Evil's My Friend. Evil's My Friend again. Oh. <laughs> I think there's more, but I, it's it's just, I, it's, I feel sad saying it. I'm not trying to make fun of them. Yeah, but. I mean, it's no ghost band. <laughs> no, it's no, no oh, ghost band. Oh, ghost band. No so, go band. No go band. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's no black derby jacket either. So the band did a cruise and tour in 2016. A year. So the band did a cruise in 2016 with Street Dogs, Flogging Molly, and Fishbone, which would have been a fucking blast. Oh yeah, being, being on a boat with those bands. Everybody's <laughs> drunk all the time. It's great. Oh god. Could you so imagine? Just. Just fucking straight rum, just be in PBR. That's probably all that's on the boat. Because Flogging Molly are pirates, so there has to be rum. And then everybody else is like PBR, right? I mean, and and I guess I guess like the 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 just the dichotomy of being on a boat with bands <laughs> like this is just very strange, right? Like people are supposed to be full of lobster and drunk, not diving off a hamburger bar. So <laughs> it's always really weird to think like. I've thought about this too with um, Chris Jericho, the wrestler, has his own. He has the Jerichrus, where they do wrestling on the deck, and I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. That seems like it's not relaxing. Like, I don't want to watch an MMA fight on a cruise. I want to relax. Yeah, when I was younger, I wanted to take a cruise, and then I realized as I got older that it's just a giant floating toilet filled with the worst people imaginable, and there's a lot of food. And if you do the all inclusive, the shit's free. And yeah, the booze is great. That would be great, but. The food is just like garbage cafeteria food. So I guess the only way to make a cruise tolerable would be to fucking, you know, see Rancid or somebody on it. The one time I went on a cruise, I ate escargot. Yeah, but you can get escargot. I mean, was it good escargot or was it just like dried up fucking snails? I was 17. I have no idea. Like, I don't have any. I had no experience with the world. Like, I was like, lobster bisque sounds cool. Give me another bowl. Like it's just, you got it in a fucking, you got lobster bisque in a solo cup. Just that's it. That's and I and I wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't have even known the difference at the time. Like I was sitting at a table with a girl who put a steak on a fork and was just chewing on it. So like, you know, these boats God, are uncivilized. The fucking madness that sets in when you get on the sea. I can only Dude, imagine. It's great. I just listened to a podcast on the Titanic, and I can only imagine how insane those people were. God. It was so good. It was so great. Well, we finally arrived at the latest, the last Rancid LP as of this recording. 2017's Troublemaker. Yeah. Released on Epitaph and Hellcat, just like the records that came before it. The title is confusingly spelled as two words, not one, which does piss me off a little bit. But (laughs) not piss me off. uh, It irritates me. I get what you're saying. 17 songs in 36 minutes. So this is a bit of a nod back to the early days, just like Honor is all we know. 
Um, I think it's one of their. It's the most aggressive sounding record they've put out since Rancid 2000. Yeah, uh, I would not, agree. It's, it's not a hardcore record like that one, but it, it's 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 pretty driving, and it it's also the first record since '93 to feature the original Rancid stencil logo. Yeah, because uh, they had the they had the different look. Well, there was the first stencil logo, and then there was the second one, and they used the second one for every record past Rance at ninety three until now. So it's definitely like remembering the old days, I guess. Yeah. So the record was recorded over two years at three different studios. Because why the fuck not? And the material was originally conceived as an EP, and Tim was actually going to take some of the songs for his second solo record, which we'll talk about in a minute. But then Brett Gerwitz, who was producing, you know, he stepped in and he suggested the band do another full length. Just, just why not? Troublemaker's a fun yeah. record. I'll say that, but it's the one I know the least about. You know, I've only ever spun it once or twice. And there's, I haven't really been able to absorb the nuance and let it resonate, but it, it's not a bad one. And I, I think it's better than Domino's, and I think it's on par with Honor is All We Know. And I, I know we're kind of, we've kind of shat on Let the Domino's Fall. I do like a lot of songs on that record, too. So I guess when I, when I think about Troublemaker, I say I'm grateful they're still putting out records. These guys are in their 50s. They're still making good punk rock. you got to kind of give it up for them. Right. So after Troublemaker came out and before you know the entire world shut its doors, uh, they toured. Rancid toured extensively in 2019 with support from acts as diverse as the Aquabats, who I didn't even know still fucking played shows. Yeah. <clears throat> so Travis weird. Barker's first band, little known, little known fact. And then Turnstile and Angel Dust, the Trapped Under Ice side projects that have gained more prominence than Trapped Under Ice themselves. So weird. But both really good bands. In my opinion, yeah. I know you don't like them. But. No, I like I like Angel Dust. Yeah, Angel Dust is sick. It's the, I didn't realize it was the singer from Trapped Under Ice. As the yeah, I like Angel Dust. I like I Angel Dust, and I like bands like um like uh, uh fucking like Drug Church too. Like I feel like they get looped in the same yeah circles. So Rancid is reportedly hard at work on their tenth full length album, which is set for release this year in 2020. But I'm sure, just like everything else, is going to be pushed to 2021. If yeah. you know, if it doesn't get pushed further. So at long last, we have finished our journey to the end of the East Bay. To that's the end, Rancid. To the end. Yeah. <laughs> that's Rancid. That's the band. That's their records and our shrieking, gushing endorsement. Uh-huh. So now let's move into the next phase where we want to take a quick look at some of Tim and Lars' highly acclaimed side projects and endeavors. Uh, the one that I want to talk about here is going to be Lars and the Bastards because this was my favorite side project of theirs because I felt like it was the most straightforward um, and just a lot of fun. Like to me, it was just like just a good like dirty punk rock record. It felt like it felt like um, if I joined a shitty biker gang, like they would be okay <laughs> with me listening to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Lars Fredrickson's namesake was an outlaw street punk rock and roll type of thing. Like this is what the band kind of portrayed right they were like like real gutter punks yeah. um and it began in 2000 and prior to recording the Indestructible they they kind of decided to call it quits in 2005 so like 
They were only a band for five years. Um, but they definitely had a sound that bikers, ex-cons, and guys who got their faces tattooed with a Rottweiler fang would go for. Like, you definitely hear that. Um, you know, uh, except for, you know, my favorite thing was I remember seeing the video for um, Just Because You're Better Than Me Doesn't yeah. Mean I'm a Lazy. Like that song. Uh, I remember thinking it was really cool that he got a custom Marshall amp um, that said his name, but I realized he just broke all the letters off the Marshall part to spell Lars. <laughs> Like, I was like, oh, that's cool that he could do that. He just broke everything. So uh, the band was comprised of Lars on vocals and guitar, Gordy Carbone, who just sang backups, it seems. He didn't really do much more than that. Big yeah, J Bassett. I couldn't find his assignment. It just said he sang. So, and yeah. I know Lars sings. So. Right. So what did Gordy do? Um, <laughs> Big J Bastard on bass, Craig Legg on rhythm guitar, and Scott Abels on drums. So it was kind of what was fun about this is they went back to, like, punk bands having nicknames. Um, yeah. You know, like Rat Scabies from The de- the Damned. So yeah. the band decided to release two full-length albums with Hellcat Records, the self-titled record and Viking in 2004. So the self-titled in 2001 was their debut, and it was definitely a change of pace from Ranted. There was definitely more of an outlaw vibe. It was definitely more aggressive. It was a little bit louder. Uh, Lars's lyrics focused on parolees, uh, street fights, from being being from Campbell, California. <laughs> Campbell, like, California! He says it so much! Dude, like, there's loves- no way... He, he loves, loves where he's from. He is all about it. He even wrote a song called Campbell, California. Yeah. Um, so the first record does have great tracks like Dead American, uh, Six Foot Five, Antisocial, and his ode, Campbell, California. Now, there's a great rendition of Billy Grabs, To Have and To Have Not, uh, which most people thought was a large original because who was listening to Billy Bragg? Nobody really, especially our age of 2001, but nobody really listens to him now either except for maybe a few folks. I bet there's some diehards out there that are like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> People like Billy Bragg, I guess, but I, I just, I liked the cover. I checked out Billy Bragg when I was younger. I didn't like it. Checked him out when I was older. Didn't like it. So Yeah, and that's totally fine. So, um, I didn't want to hear that communist lecture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and the wall's down, yeah. <clears throat> I, I, you know what's funny is I didn't realize that was a Billy Bragg, Bragg cover until I just read that. What, to have and have not? Had no idea. Yeah, and then Sam uh, Sam Coons used to cover it, but I think he covered it because he probably first covered it because he liked Rancid and Lars, and then now as he's older and more mature, I'm sure it's because he likes Billy Bragg. That's true. Sam Coons rules. <laughs> All right, so the Rough Around Edges, uh, even though they work kind of like that, it can never be understood or should never be understood that Lars and the Bastards were a band that espoused any sort of prejudicial? Prejudicial. I don't know why I don't know that word. Prejudicial views. However, in, slap, in a Slap Magazine interview from 2005, Lars said, Campbell, California will always be my home, but San Francisco is my home now. I've lived there since 1997. I like the vibe. You can walk down the street and nobody really gives a shit. You know San Francisco is one of the only places in the world besides Denmark where gay, co- gay people can get married. I think that's fucking cool. I, liked, I like being in a city that celebrates diversity. So, um, you know, <laughs> so at least he took that stance. Yeah, he's, you know, from being, like, outlaw biker-looking dudes, you always assume they're fucking Aryan Nation people, but I guess Lars just likes everybody. Yeah, I mean, I I would be terrified to meet Lars, but I'm glad to hear that he's accepting, so... Uh, Viking came out in 2004 and this is the band's follow up uh, and it was called Viking like I said uh, it's the more eclectic of the albums it features some rippers some slower songs a reggae song and definitely a ballad as a closer which is pretty uh, I mean a lot of fun to live so or to listen to <clears throat> 
My Life to Live features Tim Armstrong and has some islandy sounding guitar licks and you know, and it's about all about the many, many women that Lars has banged. Um, and maybe notably it featured on the cover that um, you know, Stizza yeah. did not like. Yeah. Uh Switchblade features skinhead Rob from the Transplants and about how Lars won't go anywhere without a switchblade, because I guess in his world sometimes you gotta stab someone. Uh I guess that's an old punk trope too, right? Like if you're in New York you had to have a blade, if not you were dead. Hey man, I don't go anywhere without my switchblade. I don't go anywhere without my crew. That's it's great. I love it. I love I love that old folklore, like punks with switchblades. I mean, to be fair, like there was a period of time in hardcore where everybody carried around brass knuckles. So that's not. Yeah, but that was a lot of our dumb friends who couldn't fucking fight ever because they were weak. <laughs> they were Sorry. frail boys. I hate that shit. Everyone used to act so tough, and it's just like, I. The only fights that I ever got in at shows when I was challenged, I immediately choked the person and and threw them on a table. I remember that. That was my favorite. That was my favorite Mikey moment. We're not doing a stand up fight here. If you really want to elbow me in the face when I'm this far away from the action, I'm going to take it to you. Yeah, and now one of our old, I guess maybe colleagues, peers, I guess I wouldn't call him a friend, um, that used to think he was tough is now a land monster. That's an alt right. Support us. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Real cool, dude. Go hold a sign. Yeah, yeah fuck that guy. Um Hey, what's your name? What's your name? <laughs> fuck you. Uh, all right. So uh there's some great fast tunes like Fight, the kids are on uh the kids are quiet on Charmin Palms, Blind Ambition, and Streetwise Professor. Uh but the album's title track and the closer really gets your attention because they are so different and they and they do tell a story. So now on Viking, Lars tells his sordid life story where he talks about, Well, I've been rich and I've been poor, spent it on whores, got married, got divorced to the girl that's next door, stolen fast cars, dated pop stars, been around the world, slept with underage women, turned tricks for a thrill, tried suicide but didn't die well i'm still here to tell i don't know heaven but i've made peace with hell been shot at been stabbed been beaten up real bad <laughs> i like the <laughs> like all that stuff he's like i got beat up real bad um survived everything without being killed and i know i'm married to the sea so i love that uh, song dude and dude it's just, so good he he admits some stuff on there that he probably couldn't get away with today he's yeah like, slept slept with underage women <laughs> Yeah, like, and you're like, oh, like, whoa, <laughs> Lars, come Lars, on. Lars, don't do that. To be fair, maybe it happened in Europe where it was technically legal, but not morally right. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's a whole thing. So we're not gonna we're not gonna unpack that right now. That's a whole different that's a whole different show. So despite the recounting of an abortion, having sex with minors, and all the copious drug use, the song's not only the song is not only about his life, but it recalls his Danish heritage, something that he explored much deeper in his latest side project, the old firm casuals. I haven't old listened firm. to this one yet. I like old firm casuals. I like Lars and the Bastards uh better, but old firm is like a continuation, really. Okay. Um, all right. Just a little more I like hooliganish. It. Hooliganish. Yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe that's the thing that we're looking for. Maybe not biker vibes, but definitely hooligany. Yeah, definitely get in a fight at a soccer game, pour a beer on someone, and then smash their face. Yeah, like they're definitely somebody. There's there's a member of that group that's carrying a chain that they're going to hit somebody with, <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah, so one of Lars' latest bands was formed in 2010, featuring him on guitar and vocals, Casey Watson on bass and vocals, and Paul Rivas Rivas on drums. I think. I think it's Rebus. Uh, the other two guys are from hardcore bands, from the hardcore bands Look Back and Laugh and Never Healed, uh, who both played Daytona in the early 2000s. So 
Um, I thought that was cool. Our... I, I didn't know that it was those guys in the band. Not that I knew them, but I remember Never Healed and Look Back and Laugh, I believe, played here. I know Never Healed did. I'm pretty yeah, sure so... Look Back and Laugh did. It's always funny how that works out, like how, how far or like how close we are to these bands. So um, the old firm casuals play or are very similar to Lars and the Bastards, playing a mix of that street punk and oi, a type of music that gets soccer hooligans and criminals to beat the shit out of each other like we just talked about. So uh, they are a great band, uh, according to Mikey, extremely <laughs> prolific, uh, much more so than the Bastards. Uh, and so they have um, uh, piles upon piles of seven inches in EPs. Their latest is titled Holger Dansky. Holger Dansk. Holger Dansk. Holger Dansk. Uh, released in 2009 on Demons Run Amok. Yeah, Demons Run Amok. It's a record label. And, yeah, yeah. and it's a Stampin' Ground song, which is really good. Yeah. All right. Uh, named after a World War II era Danish resistance group, which is kind of fun. So Lars also plays guitar. Holger Dansk is, was the uh, resistance group. Ah, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. That makes more sense. So, uh, Lars also plays guitar and does backing vocals in Oxley's Midnight Runners uh, and Stomper 98, as well as co-producing Rancid's records since Wolves, alongside Tim and Brett Gerowitz, and solo producing a host of great punk records, such as some of the Agnostic Front output, Union 13, the early Dropkick Murphys records, Redemption 87, and The Business. I used to really like Dropkick Murphys. Um, Those first couple records were a lot of fun. Those first two records, I think, are perfect, and... Well, I'll talk about the uh, the latest band from those guys before we wrap up here. But. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> that was Lars. Lars is obviously very prolific. He's done a lot of shit. He's still doing a lot of shit. And a lot of it's really independent, underground, and under the radar. You know, he had a lot of success with Rancid and Lars and the Bastards, but he's still doing fucking bands. And, like, I, I didn't even know about the old Firm Casuals until a couple of years ago, after they'd put out, like, 17 7 inches and three full lengths. But <laughs> And here we are. So... The other big side project that was spawned from Rancid came from Tim Armstrong, and it was called The Transplants. (laughs) 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 And, you know, um, I'm going to be right up front. I absolutely love The Transplants. I have since day one when I heard the self-titled record the first time back in 2002. I saw, I think I saw a video on MTV. That's how long ago it was. And I bought the record. So the Transplants are a bit of a super group of sorts, okay, if you if you find any of these guys to be super. So Tim Armstrong was the main vocalist, well, second vocalist, or, or co-vocalist, we'll say, and guitarist, and he was the primary uh, musical songwriter. Uh, he didn't write all the lyrics, but he wrote some of them. Skinhead Rob was on vocals, Skinhead Rob Aston, to be precise, and Travis Barker of Blink-182, and, of course, the Aquapats. Yeah. <laughs> and Plus 44 and Boxcar Racer. Um, Travis Barker, who, you know, say what you want about the new Blink stuff. Say what you will about the old Blink stuff. I've always liked Blink-182, old or new, Matt Skiba or, um, or Tom DeLonge. Don't care. Always liked it. He's one of the greatest modern rock drummers, I guess you could say. He's yeah. just... Watch him, watch him fucking play. Even if it's just watching him play a solo, he's insane. Well, um, you know what's weird about what? Like you watch him play anything. He usually plays on a three-piece drum set, so he usually only has a floor tom, uh, a bass drum, and a snare. That's that's usually what he plays off of, which is insane to think about him playing all that Blink One Eight Two stuff on just a small kit. Well, I have seen him play on a crazy like Tommy Lee kit too, but I've seen both. He's just he is a talented guy, and I'm really glad. That he did not die in that plane crash back in the 2010s. Or yeah, the rest peace, yeah, rest in peace, DJ AM. Yeah, rest in peace, DJ AM. 
So the transplants, much different than Rancid, much different than Lars because they play this very unique but I think satisfying mashup of Rancid Punk, Reggae, and Hip Hop. Mm-hmm. So the band kind of started out as this solo project with Tim uh, prior to Indestructible. A lot of stuff was going on before Indestructible. We said that last episode. But he was working on songs in his basement. You know, Tim's a producer, as we'll talk about in a minute here. He has his own studio, and he was just demoing all these songs that I guess didn't really fit with Rancid. But then he brought in Skinhead Rob to help with vocals and lyrics. Now, who is Skinhead Rob? Skinhead Rob Aston, or just Rob Aston, he was kind of like a roadie to the stars. So much so that he is thanked in a lot of bands liner notes uh, for his services. I'm sure his services include not only probably doing merch and sound and carrying stuff, but also fucking people up (laughs) because. Oh, for sure. Skinhead Rob is a mean looking motherfucker, but he uh, he was he was thanked in the liner notes of Black Sails and the Sunset. So he wrote it for AFI, he wrote it for Sick of It All, and he wrote it for Rancid. Now. So he was about to embark on this solo hip-hop career, but he kind of diverted when Tim asked him to kind of start jamming with him in the basement, and he put his work into the transplants. Now, Tim then got Travis Barker to play drums, and then even early on, Matt Freeman from Ranson and Vic Ruggiero from The Slackers, who was on Tim's label, and Vic played uh, Hammond organ on a lot of Rancid stuff. They were in on the sessions and they played some stuff, but they were never really official band members. But I think Matt Freeman did play with the band live uh, until their first hiatus. But I don't know if he was ever credited as a full official member. Right. So in 2002, the first Transplants record comes out. It's self-titled and it was on Hellcat. Okay. Widespread surprise and acclaim. Nobody expected this. It was this truly original sound and it was made by some of the biggest names in punk rock. I was hooked the second I heard DJ DJ. That was my favorite song <laughs> off the record. Okay. DJ, All DJ, right. DJ, DJ. <clears throat> and I, I think every song on the first album is a banger. The first three tracks are, if, if the first three, three tracks don't hook you, you're not going to like it because they're three of the best. Romper Stomper, Tall Cans in the Air, and DJ DJ. <laughs> Aside from the songs themselves, there were so many cool high-profile guest appearances. Eric Ozen of the Nerve Agents on Romper Stomper. Um, Sun Doobie of Funk Doobiest on Diamonds and Guns, which was the hit, one of the hits from the record. And they also used the instrumental of the song in a Garnier Fructis commercial. <laughs> what a time to be alive. I know. Uh, I remember the first time I, I, it was obviously when I still had cable and I hear do 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 and it's a fucking shampoo commercial. Yeah, what? it's so weird. Tim's making some money and and nobody was crying sell out back then for some reason though about the transplants. I don't know why. Hmm. Uh Davey Havoc of AFI is on a quick death and our favorite friend of the show, <laughs> Lord Ezek of Scarhead and Crown of Thorns. He was on Dream, which is an acronym for Drugs Rule Everything Around Me, obviously a take on Wu Tang's cream. Yeah, yeah. Um but it's not all gangster shit. I mean it was because there was a lot of rap in it and it was it was definitely like a more like graffiti culture low rider everyone's got face tattoos type vibe but there were some really mellow songs on it like way on my mind we trusted you in california babylon a little reggae you know yeah it's kind of hard to pinpoint the transplant sound it's it's like equal parts punk reggae and hip-hop i mean that's really the only way to describe it yeah so. there's it's it's very difficult to pin down i i would not know how to describe it 
And they have a lot of different sounding songs on each record, at least on the first two. So 2005, the band kind of went on hiatus while Rancid did shit. But the band came back in 2005 and released Haunted Cities. And that was on Travis Barker's label LaSalle, because he has his own label as well. And it was also released in conjunction with Atlantic Records. And I think it's just as good as the first one. It's a little more polished. The first one has definitely got a more raw punk vibe, even a raw hardcore vibe. But the second one's more polished. You can tell it was like more of a hip-hop influence. Yeah. And all the guest spots are from hip-hop artists this time. So it's Send Dog and Be Real of Cypress Hill which is great. I love Cypress Hill. And then um, California hip-hop group Booyah Tribe, who are, are their song is, is great, the one that they do, and uh, Raka Taylor of the Dilated Peoples. So like I said, Haunted City is a little more hip-hop this time around, but there's some punk attitude. You got Not Today, Gangsters and Thugs, American Guns, Madness. Madness is one of my favorites. I love that. That's I, like gang- I do like Gangsters and Thugs. Gangsters and Thugs. <laughs> Criminal... Dude, madness though is that madness <laughs> madness um and so uh the track that booyah tribes on what i can't describe it's almost like an r&b song but it's so catchy it's great and then there's the closer crash and burn with uh rocka taylor <laughs> uh-huh. this latin vibe which the first time you hear it if you've ever heard the theme song to the sex in the to sex in the city <laughs> You might be like, this is similar, but then the song moves in a different direction. You're like, oh, okay. There were two B-sides to the album, which were great, and I wish they just included on the full LP. Crash and Burn and 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. <laughs> so here's, here's a little bit of truth for you. Back when I was, what was this, 2005, so I was three years out of high school. <laughs> I, was, I was broke in the, in the sense that I live with my parents and I didn't have a lot of spending money. You know what I mean? That's what I mean when I say I was right. broke. I wasn't homeless, but <laughs> I, I, I couldn't find one, two, three, four, five, six, seven anywhere. And I, I, I really wanted, I was so obsessed with the band, I wanted all their B-sides. I had Crash and Burn, but I wanted this one. So it was a Best Buy exclusive. I'd already legally purchased the CD. So I went into Best Buy one day and I opened up the packaging because it was on a separate CD <laughs> and I stole a CD. <laughs> nice. I didn't want to buy it twice. And looking back, obviously now, if that was a thing, I would totally buy it twice. I'd buy it three times, but I'm just saying like back then I, I couldn't afford to. <laughs> that's funny. That's like, that's one of the only times that you shoplifted because, whew, man, I wanted that B-side, so many man. bucks. And I, I so really, I really love that song. It's a great song. It should have been on the album. So in a war zone is the third LP. And that came after quite a long hiatus. The band came back in 2013 and it was almost like, wait, the transplants are back. And I was excited, but I got to say, man, <laughs> in a war zone released on epitaph, aside from a couple of hip hop tracks, Bumby and Paul wall, it's mostly a punk record. That's mostly like a not very memorable punk record. It was kind of sad. It's it's mediocre. It's not bad. Uh, the the first two songs, the title track in a war zone, and see it to believe it, I think are the really the best songs on it. Only ones I really remember. I re-listened to it recently, and like it's fine, but it's nowhere near the first two. So just know that if you're getting into the transplants, you're gonna get two great LPs yeah. and then one that's. <clears throat> meh. Uh, they did an EP in 2017. It was the last thing they did so far. I, I'm I'm assuming they're still active. So that came out in 2017. It's called Take Cover. And 
it's a covers EP, and it's kind of an I, usually covers album as an ill-advised move, I would say. Um, although Scarhead's covers album was great, they covered Outburst and Sheer Terror and Cindy Lauper. It was great. So. I don't even know how to wrap my head around that. What Dude, you they said. covered they covered When You Were Mine, and Paul Bearer sang. Uh, the, the, the Paul Bearer from Sheer Terror sang it with Danny Diablo. It was great. <laughs> So, Take Cover came out on Transplants Records, just like Rancid Records. I guess Transplants has their own label, too. And hit or miss songs. You know, some of them are good, some of them aren't. There's um, there's a Transplants B-side that opens it up Saturday night, and that actually appeared on Travis Barker's hip-hop album, which he actually produced. I forgot and, that he did um, a hip-hop album. He does. He has a hip-hop album. I'll tell you about it in a minute. And um, the original uh, version of Saturday Night for Travis's album had Slash from Guns N' Roses on lead guitar. It's kind of a, a Latin vibe to it. Um, huh. They did a cover of they couldn't Red. Get, they couldn't get Santana for that? <laughs> I think Slash is better. He's L.A. He's fucking coked out. Yeah, I guess it's fine. That, that, he fits the vibe. Yeah, yeah. They did Seeing Red by Minor Threat. They did Baggy Trousers by Madness. They did Nothing But a Heartache by The Flirtation, some weird you know, uh, R&B song. Live Fast, Die Young by The Violators, early 80s punk band. Gratitude by The Beastie Boys, I think a song off Paul's Boutique, and an, another original track called Won't Be Coming Back. It's not essential listening, but the Minor Threat and the Madness covers are pretty cool. And Saturday Night's kind of a good song, but the original huh. version's better, I think. So, before I wrap up the Transplants, the members of the Transplants were incredibly prolific, and the people who collaborated with them, and just the, everyone in their camp was just hemorrhaging music at this time. So, during the transplants, and I think uh, during the second hiatus, Skinhead Rob, Travis Barker, and Paul Wall, people's champ, <laughs> they formed a hip-hop <laughs> supergroup called Expensive Taste. And they released some one-off tracks, and then some of their, they, they appeared on Paul Wall's uh, Heart of a Champion LP. And then they did their own mixtape, and it's online, and it's free, and it's pretty decent. I'll, I'll link it, because, you know, it's fun. And I actually like Paul Wall. Paul Wall's cool. Um okay. Skinhead Rob, he did a D-beat band called Death March. Awesome name for a band. Yeah, and it's actually good. Like, it sounds like Wolf Brigade. Like, I'm sure there were skeptics who were like, the dude from the Transplants has a D-beat band, but they don't realize that Skinhead Rob is an old, hardcore, punk, steeped right. in tradition. And I'm sure he fucking rocks the Verrukers in, uh, I don't know, all, all just crazy Swedish shit that most people don't know about. But Death March, they've done a bunch of seven inches and stuff, but they did one self-released full length uh, called A Different War back in 2014. It's pretty fucking good. Now, Travis Barker's uh, solo record is only one to date that was just him, I think, doing all the production and the, and the drumming. It's called Give the Drummer Some. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Came out in 2011, and like I said, uh, Transplant Song Saturday Night was on it. A lot of high-profile appearances, man. They had Slaughterhouse, Cypress Hill, RZA, Raekwon, Lil Jon, uh, Tom Morello, and Yellow Wolf. And another thing that was great back at this time, we got the video at Journeys. Bubba Sparks. Um, <laughs> ugly, ugly. I, I like Bubba Sparks, too. He's great. Um, there was this song called Back in the Mud, and it had this cool. It, it was a, it was a, an, almost like an electronic hip hop punk song, which sounds terrible. But you got to hear the song. It's real catchy. It's got it's got a very traditional punk chord structure to it. And Travis Barker played drums in the video. And then also in the video playing guitar was frequent Outcast collaborator Sleepy Brown. <laughs> 
It's it's just so weird that they're mixed with so many people and in the, in the, like I mean I guess that's maybe just like music in general like it's incestuous but like what a oh, crazy yeah. situation to be like I want to bring all these people in and just play all this music it's so great Sleepy Brown roses smell like poo 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 <laughs> so <laughs> so one of the last uh, the, basically the last thing I'm gonna talk about is um, Travis Barker he's very prolific man he's just a great musician I, I really like him. And he got together once again with Yellow Wolf, who is an Alabama rapper, if you don't know, who is known for his rapid fire delivery, like Tech Nine delivery. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty twelve, they did a joint EP called Psycho White. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like that tracks with with these guys. And it's great. Uh I really like it, except for the last track. Last track's kind of phoned in. It's just kinda like a bad rap song. But there you got appearances from Skinhead Rob and Tim Armstrong. The first track, Push 'em is a banger it's like a fast rap song it's like the whole thing is like a drum roll it's like and he's just rapping over it like crazy and then um they do uh the second track is like a reggae tune with tim armstrong and yellow wolf also appeared in a very memorable guest spot on blink 182's dogs eating dogs ep that very same year it was the last thing that tom DeLong was on with blink did that song pretty little girl and then they have that cool yeah. little rap part that yellow wolf does yeah I like that was Yellow a great Wolf, EP. I, I, the great EP, great guest spot. So yeah, Transplants, um, a lot more collaboration because it's very hip-hop oriented, but I, I would suggest first two LPs. Guys, listen to them if you haven't. That's so fucking good. Yeah. Gangsters and thugs. Some of my friends sell rack holes. Some of my friends sell drugs. Dude, so good. I, um... I never really got into transplants, but I, I but I understand why they are appreciated, like why people do like them. It's just cool to see those guys do something different, and collaborate with all these people, and you know, like like shit, like Tall Cans. That's a fucking party song, man. It's and it's just it's fun. <laughs> That brings us to A Poet's Life, which in 2007, Tim Armstrong released his first and to date only solo album uh, that he called Poet's Life on Epitaph and Hellcat. So, um, you know, thinking about Tim uh, Tim Armstrong putting out a solo record is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I imagine him writing music and kind of talking to himself, being like, no, 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 that chord. I don't <laughs> like that chord. No, no. No, I just can't. Oh, I just can't. Oh, you know, and then so the <laughs> I'm going to call like, this song. Elwo. Elwo. <laughs> Have you seen the good dinosaur? It's just got some adult themes. <laughs> so the the album was a ska reggae affair with no punk rock songs at all. And the Agrilites, a Los Angeles reggae band, signed to Hellcat at the time. Um, and they served as Tim's backing band for the project. Now, it's catchy. It's mellow. A lot of great moments. You've got Wake Up, Hold On, Translator, Lady Dementor, and Among the Dead. Um, and I think this is one of those things where it goes into demonstrating how prolific Tim is as a musician. Because I think that it's really easy to write him off as a marble-mouthed, like, kind of goofy guitar player when you see him play and you listen to Ranted. But mm-hmm. you don't realize that he does all of these things and he's got this discography that you know i mean you've got a poet's life by tim armstrong and then you've got like what fat mike doing koki the clown so like to me like you know you want to talk about like you know at least i don't know i feel like his stuff is 
more meaningful. But anyway, um, the song Into Action uh, featured in the mid-2000s. You'll see the uh, blink and you miss it. Pop star Sky Sweetnam has uh, she was on those guest vocals. So I don't know who Sky Sweetnam is, but was on that song. So uh, an odd pairing until you realize him produced her full length in 2007 called Sound Soldier. Uh, not a great record. Not worth listening to, but Tim started producing pop stars at that time. So um, yeah, the other day, like Pink was first, and then Sky Sweetenham was next. But she was just like kind of a flash in the pan. I mean, so yeah. was Pink for that matter. But no, Pink wasn't a flash in the pan. But I that mean, song, what? get she's the still party around. started. No, no she's yeah, still barely. around. She's, dude, she's put out so many records. Pink is fantastic. Uh, anyway, I heard that song "Trouble" um, the other day, and I was like, "Shit, I forgot about this song." Yeah. It's like, yeah, trouble now. S- song sucks, but I just remember it was just weird. So sucks, sucks. What's your name? Trouble. <laughs> Fuck you, trouble. So, um, Tim Timebomb is another side project. The thing that Tim Armstrong was doing, and it's this ongoing project. Now, um, this one's kind of strange because it's not really anything that you can kind of pin down. Now, Tim Timebomb or Tim Timebomb and Friends is a collaborative project where Tim teams up with different musicians um, and either does renditions of ranted songs or other songs of other artists. So uh, our friend Matt Moment sent us a video of Tim Timebomb uh, collaborating with, uh, was it um, Calista, Calico Rose? Yeah, it was like a, an older, I think, a gospel singer, and then he had the interrupters backing him. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So, uh, in October, on uh, from October 29, 2012 to October 29, 2013, Tim Timebomb released a song on the internet every single day, or nearly every single day, and some of them were really great, like a cover of I Want to Be Sedated, a stripped-down version of Ranted's I'm Alright, and a cover of Bob Dylan's The Times They Are A-Changing, and there's take me out to the ball game and a reggae version of star spangled banner. So you don't need to hear all of them. Yeah. It's all, it's all we're saying. <laughs> take, really take me out of the fucking ball game. Like, don't Tim get me Armstrong. wrong. I like, could you imagine take me <laughs> out of the ball game? <laughs> it's, so- it's just weird. So I mean, yeah, but I mean, 365 songs. It's uh, you're going to have some clunkers. Yeah, I mean you're gonna you're gonna mess it up. I mean, I at least into it over it did fifty two weeks and he had a song a week, so and that was all pretty good. So Oh I'm um, sure. Anyway, what <laughs> So as far as an official discography goes for Tim Time Bomb, it's very confusing. Thirteen Tim Time Bob tracks made it onto a record uh, that went with a musical he made entitled Rock and Roll Theater, which starred Davy Havoc and Lars. So <laughs> I love there's a period in time where punk dudes started writing musicals yeah like that might billy be. joe billy joe armstrong did american idiot and it was on broadway yeah yeah so anyway that's the whole thing well he, so this is uh, his second musical because he did one that was like a claymation one based on charles manson called live freaky die freaky but yeah. i never saw that either <laughs> yeah it's just a it's a weird there are just weird genre crossings i don't know if we have time to do that but um i don't even know what this this like rock and roll theater is the record is entitled tim time bomb sings from the rock and roll theater and it was released in 2012 on hellcat so um you can go ahead and sift through the 300 something songs tim time bomb has um if you want to completely lose your mind there's a ton of stuff out there if you look up tim time bomb you will find something that you will probably enjoy and a lot of stuff that you probably won't like agreed so um 
One thing that we have talked about multiple times in this episode is Hellcat Records. You've heard us mention it several times as an imprint of Epitaph and I guess the funder of Rancid Records. So it's yeah. it's Tim's label and started in 97 as an Epitaph offshoot where Tim would have final say on the signings and the opportunity to produce groups and artists that he liked. Uh, and you could always tell a Hellcat release by the CD case style. Uh, it wasn't in a jewel case. It was always in a cardboard fold-out cover. It was most of the time in black and white. <laughs> it was like it was like a Kinkos, yeah. It was just like very yeah, cheap like looking. it's like like bad printing. Like you you worry that it's gonna um it's gonna rub off on your hands. So, yeah. uh, but the label was quite prolific throughout the years, and they've put out a few classic releases, especially early on. So they did the first Give Them the Boot comp in '97, um, and also in '97 they did the Slackers, uh, Red Light by the Slackers, Willis by the Pie Tasters, Right on Time by Hepcat, and Do or Die by the Dropkick Murphys. So like that year was a big year for them. Yeah, their first, their inaugural year, they put out like three great ska reggae records by legendary bands. That comp right. had so much good shit on it. And then Do or Die by the Dropkicks was like, Dropkick Murphys became fucking massive off that first record. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, oh, so good. And then in 98, they did No Gods, No Managers by Choking Victim, which we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, at Ease by The Gadgets and The Question by The Slackers. Ooh, which is my favorite. So much fun. And in 1999, they did Self-Titled by The Distillers, Self-Titled by Tiger Army, and Self-Titled by F-. So I think that year they just ran out of a budget to name albums. Yeah. The Distillers, so. of course, being Tim's soon-to-be ex-wife's band. But got to say, man, first Distillers record, Self-Titled. And then the second one, um, fuck, what is it? House of some shit. I don't remember, but yeah, the first it. one is so good, dude. I love the first Distillers record. It's a great punk record. Oh yeah. So, um, and then in 2001, they did the self-titled by Lars and the Bastards, uh, Mediocre Generica by Leftover Crack, uh, Global Agogo by Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros, and then the Butterfly Collection by the Nerve Agents. So they had these really big releases on this tiny little imprint it was like a diy label within a diy label that did this really cool stuff that we got to see we got to i remember going and buying those records i remember being like like i remember seeing the nerve agents and seeing like the leftover crack stuff i remember going and getting those records when they would come out that was a cool label i bought many a hellcat release um <laughs> as they came out i, I love yeah. a lot of the bands <clears throat> so yes hellcats put out multiple albums by most of the bands we mentioned especially the slackers and, and hepcat they, those guys have just huge discographies but most of their shit's just perfect and it's great but they've also done records from the legendary u.s bombs um agnostic fronts roger Merritt. Uh, he had a band called roger Merritt and the disasters they did like three of their records the street dogs um, they also did the Agrolites, Union 13. They did some Rancid shit. They did Tim's solo record. And, yep, even Lord Ezek's Hardcore for Life EP. <laughs> and Friend, you know, friend of the show. <laughs> yeah. Another cool thing about uh, Hellcat was the Give Him the Boot series. Because most labels back in the 90s, they would put out a comp like every year, every couple of years when they had all these new bands on their roster. But what Give Him the Boot did... And it was a really interesting idea was, yes, they would put out some some records by 
uh, the bands on their label, but they'd also put out some B-sides, so it was kind of like you buy it for some for some special songs you couldn't get. And then they would even do these weird one-off collaborations just for the comp. Like Rancid did a one-off collaboration called Nocturnal, where they backed this reggae artist Mad Lion for one song. Uh, do you remember so that cool. one? Girl, tell me what you're feeling. Your love is revealing. <laughs> it's a great song. Um, and of course, Tim Armstrong, being a producer of note, Lars too. Tim produced many of Hellcat's releases, but he also produced reggae legend Jimmy Cliff's 2012 comeback album, Rebirth, for which the motherfucker won another Grammy. <laughs> It's so it's so funny to think of him accepting a Grammy. Like I want to see that speech. It was I mean, they... Tim has multiple Grammys. Like for but like but it's weird what he has Grammys for. Yeah. Like he has it for Pink. <laughs> and Jimmy Cliff, which kind of makes sense for him. Yeah, that's fine. So, um we're getting to the end of it, guys. <laughs> but one thing that I've always loved is a Tim Armstrong guest spot on another artist's song. Because, yes. to be honest, I mean, it's a badge of excellence, a cosign from one of the greats. So I got a couple real quick that I just want to throw down because they're so great. So in 2002, Blink-182 side project, Boxcar Racer, they released a self-titled record. There's a song in there called Cat Like Thief that features Uh Tim Armstrong prominently on vocals. And it is such a good song. And I love Tim's part. (laughs) It could see me holding on. Got my crew coming one by one. (laughs) (laughs) He did a collaboration in 2004 with Cypress Hill. They took so they took um, the Guns of Brixton from The Clash. They Uh sampled the bass line. And then they turned it into a Cypress Hill song called What's Your Number? And Tim played guitar on it. And he said, What's your name? What's your number? Yeah! <laughs> there was another, a weird one that I stumbled upon somehow. When the Transplants were big, there were some bands that were kind of trying to ape them. And there was a rap group called The Lords, I believe The Lords of Brooklyn, I think. And they kind of reconfigured themselves and put out a record called The Brooklyn Way in 2006. Uh-huh. Actually, I actually listened to this record a lot. <laughs> but um, it was more of a transplant sounding record, not just straight hip hop. They they covered <laughs> they covered people who died by the Jim Carroll oh. band, which gave us the title to an outcome. The wolves it all comes full circle. But <laughs> the song that Tim guests on is called Outlaw, and he just I'm an outlaw baby. That's what he says. <laughs> it almost says like he's a baby outlaw. That's almost what it sounds like. I'm an outlaw baby. Like <laughs> well, he's like a midget sidekick. <laughs> So another one I really loved was he, they signed a band called Time Again to Hellcat. It, they sounded like it, like a baby rancid, honestly. And there's a song called The Stories Are True that Tim does a great guest spot on, and that's from 2006 as well. And then, of course, The Interrupters, which is like my favorite band, my current favorite ska band that is still going strong, three LPs deep, so fucking great. And they are a Hellcat band. 2014, they did a song called Family, where Tim Armstrong did guitar on it he, i mean he produced the record but he did a lot of vocals on it and it's almost like a nursery rhyme he's going like i got a mother named mary i got a brother named barry <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it's nonsense but it's such a fun song and then on the on the interrupters third record lars tim and matt jump on a song which is great so, that's so much fun 
you know, th- these are when I do the playlist for this episode, it's going to be a lot more like one off songs. So, guys, you know, I- I've been doing playlists for all the songs. I know everybody doesn't listen to them. But if you're curious, pop in, pop in there, click the link and, and check it out. Yeah, it's so much fun. I mean, like my favorite, my favorite Tim guest spot is on television by Bad Religion. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like it's, it just starts off with us like big chant, like this kind of cool drum beat and you hear him just go, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then he gets into like, it's funny thinking of Tim singing bad religions lyrics because they're so like full of multiple, multiple syllable words. Yeah. Like the world outside is budded like an angry wasp in summer. Candidates are running and a set of God is coming. Like, and you're like, dude, so good. Like, uh, like he, in that line, he says, crackle mental convolutions tune into the revolution like could you imagine tim saying that and saying that without tripping over his own feet or having a seizure <laughs> all right tim take 94 crackle mental convolutions turn into a revolution <laughs> he does it and it's fucking great so anyway um now one of the cool things that when you're a musician that you get is sometimes you get sponsored and you get signature guitars and you get signature instruments. Like we had friends that would be sponsored by like, I don't know, fucking Ernie ball. And they would get free strings whenever they needed them. They could walk into a guitar center and be like, here's my card. And they would just hand them fucking strings. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. But one of the cool things that Tim got was that he got Gresh guitars to honor him. I don't know, or they honored him anyway. Like, they honored musicians by creating signature guitars. And so, in 2010, Tim Armstrong got his own guitar model from Gresh, which was a single cutaway electric hollow body called the Tim Armstrong Electromagnetic Guitar, which we know that he can't say. But (laughs) it was made to mimic his 1971 Baldwin-era Gresh Country Club that he had, which was a it's really big guitar. It's this really cool looking guitar. Um, but then he spray painted black and he flipped it over to accommodate his playing because he's left handed. So it's not like they were making left handed guitars in 1971. Yeah. So uh, Tim Armstrong being left, he had to flip it over. And also, what it looks really cool now because it looks like it's super worn down because uh, he still plays it. He played it in that Tim Timebog video that we just watched. He still plays the same guitar. It looks uh, like he's holding an, an upright bass that's painted black. It's so huge. Right. And it looks like it's just like the paint is chipped off. Like it looks <laughs> like it should have patina. Yeah. So, um, and so it's really cool. And Fender also released an acoustic guitar bearing his name called the Hellcat, uh, which has the Hellcat logo, the, like which is like the screaming cat, um, the logo in the inlays, which is really cool. So Tim gets that. Um, also, a little bum that we didn't talk about: Devil's Brigade, which is Matt Freeman's solo project. Well, we already talked about him. I don't. I, I don't even think they have a full length, do they? I don't know. I can't keep up with all that. So that's pretty much it. That's rancid in a nutshell, in three nutshells, even. Um, <laughs> yeah, three giant nutshells. Three giant Filled nutshells. With and nut so, meat. <laughs> ugh, uh, that's the worst. Nut meat is the worst <laughs> phrase. So uh, everything that we could possibly talk about at Rancid, uh, as much as we wanted to talk about it, as much as we could gush about them, we did. Uh, they are one of the greats. They always will be. Support them. Listen to them. Uh, they stayed punk. They stayed independent. They stayed true to what their values were um, and still managed to become this larger-than-life band. Uh, and we love them, and we always will. So this is our uh, like our ode to – this is our love song to, to Rancid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So – before we get out of here, guys, as is usual, I love to tack on addendums, but when you're done with Rancid, say you're new to Rancid, or say you haven't listened to Rancid in a long time, and you're just, you're into it, and you want some similar bands to dig deep 
into. Well, real quick, I'm going to throw some at you rapid fire that I think go well with rancid. It's it's a it's a fine pairing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a, a Beaujolais and uh I don't know what else. I'm not Jake, I'm not a sommelier. So, <laughs> first band, Bombshell Rocks, melodic street punk band from Sweden, very rancid-esque in the vocals and the and the songs. They don't do the reggae shit. They do it pretty much straightforward, but very catchy. Five full lengths, a lot of shit. But I would say check out 99 Street Art Gallery. Oh, that's my favorite. And 2001 City Rats and Alley Cats. The Explosion right. is another band, yes. which I know Shane loves. Um, Boston melodic punk rock band. Broken up a few times, still together as of this writing, just not very active. I think the early stuff's real good. Uh, the Flash, Flash, Flash LP. The yeah. 2004 is Black Tape. That's got some 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 fucking bangers on Dude, it. Dude, Black Tape is fucking awesome. Like yeah. that is one of that is one of the best punk records that like the best like modern punk records that you could listen to. Oh, it's a good one. Now we mentioned the Dropkick Murphys a couple of times. They were originally on Hellcat Records where they blew up. They did their first three LPs on there, I believe. But there's another band connected to the Dropkick Murphys that I like a little bit more. They're called the Street <laughs> Dogs. Mike McCoolgan. Original vocalist of the Dropkicks before he left and, oh, God, what's his name? Albar. Albar from, oh, fuck, is it the Bruisers? I can't remember. Albar, legendary punk rock dude, took over on vocals. But Mike McCoolgan, he left to become a firefighter. Uh, he left the band, and in 2002, he got the bug again, and he started the Street Dogs. And the you know the drummer from the Boston's was in it for a while. I mean, they, they, were, they were storied. They were legendary. And they have released some of the best anthemic melodic street rise punk rock and roll of the last two decades every fucking record is great and i think there's seven of them at this point but (laughs) 2005's back to the world when i hear that shit man i want to bench press a car modern classic (laughs) so we got two left swinging udders Woo! santa cruz punk rock legends sorely overlooked and underrated the soundtrack to so many saturday skate trips when i was in the ninth and tenth grade we used to listen to uh five lessons learned and what is it the songs of san francisco Woo, so good nine full lengths since 95 they've been a band since like 89 mostly with fat records ripping punk great sing-alongs they throw in folk sometimes they throw in reggae they are one of the best bands perfect pairing to rancid johnny p bucks his vocals are unmistakable his vocals are great 2003's dead flowers bottles bluegrass and bones is a good place to start but you got to listen to every one of the albums if you dig that one and last but not least the most modern the youngest band on the list even though some of these other bands are still going dead to me okay yeah san francisco band um they play great melodic punk rock. Sometimes they throw in reggae and ska, but it's very mature sounding. It's not like, you know, chicka, chicka, chicka with horns. It's, it's very mature. It's very, it's very sporadic um, and, 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 and calculated when they do it. 2008's Little Brother EP, a must. Uh, 2016's I Want to Die in Los Angeles EP, also a must. Seriously. And 2009's African Elephants. That's, the L- that's one of their LPs, and that's one of my favorites. So some bands to throw at you. And uh, I might even make another playlist just for them. I don't care if only one person listens to it. It's fun for me, and I love all this shit so much. I love it. I love it. All so right. yeah, man, that's it. Woo! That's it. We 
ended in 89. We did, and we ended it in under an hour and a half, which I will edit down to uh, smaller than that. So now that we covered Ranted, do you think that we should shout out the Patreons? Get him it! <laughs> Back on board! Say it part of Dude, that's, that was so much more fun than either. Laura Quasby, Kate Neal, Amelia Andrews. Yeah! M- Matthew Fisher. <laughs> Jessica Crane and Mario Cipriano! <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah! So, thank you all for tolerating us. Yes, thank you. I know it was probably hard this past couple episodes. <laughs> Dude, no, that's it. The Matt Freeman voice and the Tim Time, the Tim Timebomb voice are going to be ever present in the rest of the episodes i just like doing it i mean this is primarily for us i appreciate everyone who listens and of course i appreciate our patreons because you guys are more important than everybody else but (laughs) i sure love doing voices yeah it's good stuff it's good stuff so um i don't have any updates so i would say uh yeah so (laughs) what's your name on instagram (laughs) fuck you so um so if you want to find us on on Instagram, you can find us on I Don't Want to Hear a Podcast. Find us on Twitter at IDWHI Podcast. Find us on uh, Facebook at I Don't Want to Hear a Podcast. If you want to email us, oldpunksvstheworld at gmail.com would be awesome. Uh, if you want to check out our publishing website, it is wndpress.com. Uh, you can email us at wndpress.com uh, where we are selling our books uh, and we will have some more books out very soon. Yep, yep, yep. And if you go to our website, I don't want to hear podcast.com, click the link came from the beach to check out our website that has all of our old bands, videos, pictures, music, all that type of shit. And please make sure you're looking in the show notes um, because uh, the episode description contains all kinds of helpful links and playlists and just links to everything that we have talked about our old bands that are on Spotify that don't suck. And uh, yeah. real quick, though, I, I am working on the new zine, and I know the first one kind of just trickled out, but I'm hoping this one's a little bit better. And if anyone does want to order the uh, old one, we d- we do have uh, or we can print more. So yeah, maybe, sounds good. maybe we'll do a deluxe with both of them together, so make sure they both get out there. But more yeah. on that in a couple of weeks. And then we'll do like a, what's it called, an omnibus? Yeah, an omnibus. Omnibus edition, omnibus. which is just like, I don't want to hear it. Uh <laughs> Uh, volume one of all the things. Yeah, and it's just two volumes. Or it's just two yeah, volumes. that's all. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening while we talked and jabbered about one of our very favorite bands. We yeah. are getting into the spooky month next month, next week. So expect some cool shit coming up for October. But yep. we'll talk to you soon. So until then, annihilate this week. And good night, Tim, Matt, Lars. Brett and Brenton, wherever you are. Daddy was a rocker. No mother never understand him. I'm gonna miss doing these voices, and especially doing the. <laughs> when it goes up. <laughs> That's like, that's like the key to the impression right there. That's that's what you have to that's you have to start you have to start low like. Taco Bell Joe likes Mountain Dew. Then he searches. You. He's the nicest dude. So there's a, like the key to like the Al, an Al Pacino impression is like oh, hey, oh like <laughs> the key to the Matt Freeman is that spike. Yeah, the. <laughs> 
That's the Woo! only time I could ever carry a tune, by the way. Like, I can't sing at all, but for some reason I can hit that Matt Freeman impression right on that Black Derby Jacket impression. So, alright! Okay, this is I Don't Wanna Hear It signing off for now! We'll see you guys later!